Hi guys and welcome to the Taders Life podcast. Today I'm joined by Kyle. Kyle and I go way back, we've known each other for quite some time. He's a freelance creative from the South Wales Valleys and he uses his lived experience and his mental health in his works and I find it really, really authentic and I really, really appreciate that he's using it in a creative way. So without further ado, let's welcome Kyle to the Taders Life podcast. Hello Kyle and welcome. Hello, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I feel like it's been in the works for quite some time getting you on the podcast, so I'm really happy to finally have you here. So tell me a little bit about you, Kyle, what you do for work, because that's a huge part of your life. Yeah, I'm Kyle Stead. I'm a neurodivergent benefit class freelance creative, very multidisciplinary, kind of very diverse in my skill set and my, my toolkit predominantly a theatre maker and then working kind of in producing and performing and then now I'm stranding into to kind of spoken word world and poetry um, something that I've always done but never shared publicly um, so yeah kind of lacking up the courage now to start sharing our work more publicly which is which is nice it's had a, it's a good good response which is nice but yeah very much trauma-informed within my work and very much using lived experience to give that authentic insight in, into the world in which I wish to create within my work. I actually, it's so inspiring here you speak and like you mentioned about you moving slightly into spoken word and um, I love spoken word pieces and your piece Scepter Resilience. It was so, so, it was so captivating. I can't even describe how it made me feel, especially somebody who's also been through trauma as well. And um, yeah, I'm really, really happy that you're able to use art as an outlet for the the lived experience that you've got. So please, please keep it up, Kyle, because the world needs to hear it. Um, so tell me, you mentioned how you've been doing spoken word for quite some time. So it was it like an outlet for you and it's only now that you feel comfortable enough to share it publicly then yeah so like my way into the creative world was through poetry that's how I kind of started um but was never pursuing that professionally like so then I moved into like performing as an actor and kind of using acting as an escape mechanism from reality um, but now, like I said, I'm choosing to pull a 180 spin on that and start using my actual lived experience to kind of share authentic insight. Um, I think I'm kind of sick of seeing the stereotype and kind of, you know, the, the misconception of what one being benefit class and low socioeconomic is, but also kind of that male mental health stigma that I'm trying to kind of break down and kind of get more conversations around. Um, so, yeah, very much started as an outlet. So kind of. Anytime I'd be annoyed, pissed off, angry, it'd be like, okay, let me just write something down here. Um, and it's very sporadic. Like I can't, I can't go into something and go, I'm going to write something now. It's just like, it'll be a couple of lines of notes on my phone, which is usually a, a voice recording because I'm not very good at like typing stuff out. So I'll just press record and then I'll just like freestyle something for a while. And then it's like, okay, that's that. And I leave it as it is. Like I don't kind of refine my work because it's what I needed to say at that time and at that moment. Um, so I'm not, I don't edit my work. I don't go back to it and go, oh, actually, let me take that out. Let me put that in. It's very much what it is there and then. Um, I'll add to it, but I will never like 
you know, go back and go, oh, no, no, that didn't sound right. Let me change the word in the land. Um, because otherwise it's taken away that authenticity and it's taken away what I needed at that point in life. Um, so that's kind of my process within that is like, okay, yeah, outlet. And now it's like, actually, I need to be putting this out for the actual, re- like, otherwise I'm still, I still feel like I was holding it. Yeah. If you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, oh, it's still there with me. And it's like, okay, if I just let this go now, it's like, oh, I can let it go. And I can kind of move on and move past that. I think that's such a, a different way of going about things. Because again, like when most people do their creative practices, it is very much like, we'll edit it because that's sort of like what society will want. They wouldn't want to hear me saying this or X, Y, and Z, but your approach is completely different and again that's what makes your work so gripping is because it is so different and you mentioned earlier about stereotypes and men's mental health and x y and z so i would want to chat a little bit more about that so you're from the ronda valley and you're very very open about that in your works and everything like that so do you feel like there's a stereotype surrounding the ronda valley because as somebody who's also from south wales the stereotype because sort of like outlook on it would be the Ronda Valley is rough as fuck. Do you know what I mean? Is is that true? Like to you? I think yeah. Like there is. There's definitely parts that are that are not, and there's definitely parts that are more so than than others. But yeah, like you said, the stereotype of the Ronda is off. Oh, you know, it's rough. Like do you mean, and and there is elements of that. And like I say growing up on council estates, you kind of subject to that stereotype even more than you know the nicer areas of of the ronda but you know when you i i, I can't speak on it from an outsider because i'm obviously and in i'm i've lived there um i grew up there like my whole life until like you know kind of two years ago and i and i've moved but inside for me it was the the pockets that i'm from anyway is the safest places in the world I think because of the sense of community that it's got and the fact that, you know, you look out for your own. Like, if I'm in, like, an unknown, like, growing up anyway when I was younger, if I was in an unknown place, as long as I can get within, like, a mile radius of where I'm from or, like, where I've lived previously, it's like, okay, that's that's a safe zone. Yeah. It's like everyone around me will be like, oh, yeah, yeah, now we, we got your back because we look out for each other and we look out for our own. I was interested, so... We mentioned about um, stereotypes and things like that. When did you say, like, no, and were aware that you may be struggling with your mental health? Because again, men's mental health isn't talked about enough, and that's why we need to speak up. So, when was that first? Oh gosh, maybe this isn't right. It's between ten and twelve is when I started, like being like oh yeah okay this is this is definitely definitely something um and the later into my teenage years so like definitely like that 12 mark um comprehensive school um that's when like i was having severe panic attacks and i was like okay you know something's something needs to shift you like something's not right there and i i couldn't put my finger on kind of what it was or why like like why it was happening, like it, like what was the trigger? That's the thing that I couldn't, I couldn't work out. So I'm, I'm getting better at that now. But like back then, it was like, oh, why is this happening? How is it happening? Like, 
and the things that I was like, okay, okay, that's what is triggering me. That's what I've got a fear of. Like, it's kind of piecing that together. It's like, okay, how do I combat that? Um, so yeah, like I like I, I dropped out of school when I was thirteen. Um, kind of my attendance just slip, 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 and then it's like, okay, yeah, I'm just kind of not present. Um, and I now it's like okay it's clear to see why those things are like back then it was like okay why why is this an issue um and the main thing was waking up like i was i couldn't get up in the morning but it's because i wouldn't get it to sleep until like 6 a.m because i've discovered that i've got a fear of sleep oh so it's God. like yeah so that's that's like okay how how am i going to combat that then so my way around that is like, okay, I can function on three to four hours sleep. And it's like, okay, that's where I start getting into that world. And it's like, all right, yeah, getting into the creative world helps that a lot because it's not a nine to five. Usually you don't start until 10 anyway. Being a freelancer, I can be even more flexible with my time and kind of decide on when things are kind of starting. Um, so like those little things uh, were the most difficult to get a grip of when I was younger. Um, nor understanding that a place can be a trigger, nor understanding that, you know, a smell can be a trigger or the likelihood of something can be a trigger. Like, do you mean, if you see a resemblance in something, it's like, oh, okay, that can be a trigger. Um, yeah, and it's just, just used to, like, shut down and need to get out was the biggest thing for me. So, like, I just used to roam around and, just yeah, about everywhere because it's like oh, I just don't know where I can be. Yeah. Um, and 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 it's it's extremely difficult to kind of be in that place. Like, do you know I mean I'm still now discovering new things? Um, and that's kind of you know the the realism of it. It's like okay, you're never gonna understand every single trick you've got because every day you can encounter another one. Um, but it's finding those little kind of mechanisms that allow me to a battle that there and then rather than let it get too much um which i did a lot of when i was when i was younger was let it get too much um because i didn't i didn't know how to deal with it and i didn't know what it was yeah it was like what what is this that's happening like i didn't know what a panic attack was it's... i definitely i knew what it felt like but it's like how, how do i and like you said that stigma of not speaking it's like okay, how do I find the answer to what this thing that's happening is? Yeah, and I, I, I don't know how much older you are than me, but even when I was in school, it still didn't feel like it was a topic of conversation. So, like, I can imagine when you were in school, it was very much like, what on earth, what on earth is my body doing? But again, it's a reaction, and I, I get totally how you feel in terms of like the triggers because I used to work in hospitality and this only happened about I don't even know two weeks ago before before I handed my notice in after this incident another thing happened but this main incident so um my abuser came into my work and I was like well people in work don't know why I've literally just had a meltdown um, but it's one of those things like you don't you don't want to tell the entire world, but you feel like you have to tie it, 
tell the entire world otherwise nobody's going to know what what you're feeling and what you're thinking or how it affects you so you said you left school when you were 13 is that when you um discovered like counseling or coping mechanisms like did you ever go back to mainstream school or was that just something that didn't happen for you yeah so i think it's so when i was in primary school i used to get taken out of class a lot and like have these one-to-ones um and only now it's like okay it's it's clear as to why that was um but then yeah like i've got i've got people that I speak to, I've got people that I kind of don't need to, don't need to expose anything to, to just get an understanding. Um, I've got a lot of empathetic people around me, which is, which is great. Um, I think like the main, my main coping mechanism is kind of like nature and outdoors, which I'm quite blessed with being in the, the valleys. Um, I've got a lot of it around me, which is nice. Um, but yeah, kind of, I just try and get out as much as I can. I used to be a lot better. Like I used to go out, I used to do like minimum of 40 minute walk every day. That's kind of slipping. I was just like, okay, that's where I need to get back onto. Um, but then I I like driving a lot. So like kind of time in the car when I'm on my own is, is quite good for me. And long showers I find is is really good for me. Um, and then, yeah, the, the, the creative outlet through kind of poetry is where and that spoken word element is where I find that release I think through other creative mechanisms not so much um which is why I've kind of used spoken word as like my storytelling mechanism and then I use my other creative outlets as kind of being creative and kind of maybe using other people's lived experience to, to tell a story um there is a piece I'm developing that is completely informed by my lived experience which is going to be a theatrical piece um but that's kind of not so much going like this is me this is you know my trauma it's kind of kind of tied in there behind the character um but hopefully having that closure that i need mentally by um saying the words even though i'm saying them kind of as someone else well, they're, they're your words, nonetheless, like they've come from your mind. And, you know, I'm excited to see this piece when it comes out, like all your work is absolutely exceptional. And um, uh, no, undoubtedly, this will be up there as well. And you mentioned about the things that help you release this sort of um, this sort of anxieties or mental health that you struggle with. I think when you're older as well, you become more aware of the trauma that maybe you received or that you felt when you were younger. And I'm from one um, person that has trauma to another, that's really hard to deal with. Cause when you're younger, you ne- you don't necessarily know what you're going through or how you're feeling is maybe incorrect or you shouldn't really feel this way and it's only when maybe you're old you realize fuck like oh my gosh this is this is trauma like it's it's a really really hard realization to come with and like we mentioned earlier about you were about 10 to 12 when you maybe first discovered that maybe things weren't right so 
when did you decide to share your work publicly and why did you think it was important to do that? So, so only really last year is where I started kind of using my lived experience to kind of share stories and, and tell stories. And I think it's, you know, coming to a place of peace within myself and within the trauma that I have and the kind of experiences and situations I've been through. Um, and I think because I've constantly been misunderstood, I think it's also kind of me going, okay, just try and understand a bit, try and get a, you know, a little bite that's like, okay, we can, we can get it a bit. Um, yeah, it's only been with it like the last year that I've been expressing that kind of publicly, um, started doing it live and then now putting it more digitally as well so that it kind of is there, um, and has a, as a place, um, test, you know, kind of test now the live audience and get in the live audience reaction and kind of the people coming up to me and having those conversations after, um, you know, and having men come to me after like really emotional and kind of having those conversations with men is when I was like, okay, maybe I need to, maybe I need to be releasing this, um, digitally so that it has a wider reach and it's not just like the pockets of people that are in before me live too. Um, it doesn't have the same um kind of response i don't think as it as it would live like i think when it's live and you're in that area definitely in like intimate spaces and studio spaces it's like okay yeah you can really kind of feel it and um when i like released um steps of resilience it's like okay that's like the full finished music video product and then obviously i just recorded dropout in a room in my house and it's like that's but that's the same process of how steps of resilience is made. So it's like it's layered with um a loop station and then it's kind of presented as as a whole thing. So like, you know, the heartbeat and the and the breath is all created vocally. And then I then obviously use words. Um so I think, you know, seeing that live and kind of being there and having that kind of thing and like that exposure and that isolation that being on my own on stage and presenting that gives also like subconsciously the thing to for people to see me alone is quite a quite a thing that you know I like to use it's like okay that isolation that kind of okay now you're coming into my mind um and you're seeing what it's like um I like that definitely on like kind of bigger spaces and it's just me there with like a loop station um yeah, I like it's it's that's the physical thing that the words can't say. Yeah. Um and then through the you know, the theatre piece that, that I'm developing, which I'm working with a local writer, Rachel Rosais, um, is using three elements, which so the three pronged attack. So it's the 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 spoken word, um, but not necessarily in poetry, but like the spoken text movement and sound um because you know people relate to things differently and pick up on things differently like you know there'll be um people who see movement and they go oh i get it and then the words are just like you know completely over and then there's people who relate to sound um so that's kind of my approach to kind of showing what trauma is what mental health is and how it affects you know 
the human body and um yeah it's just really you know like i said trying to be as insightful as possible but trying to be as gripping and gritty as possible also do you have any idea when the the release date might be i know release date isn't probably the right term but you know what i mean yeah so yes it's still kind of you know it's, it's still in development so i've done a two-week r&d on it um which went really well had really good response i was like invited audience with kind of you know other theater makers some um charity organizations and the third sector who deal with mental health um and that had a really really good response um rachel is redrafting the script um and then i'm in conversations with um potential um partners and co-producers to get that staged so yeah within the next you know two years is is when it'll be um i'm hoping within you know the next like the either end of end of this year or next year definitely is is when i i want it to want it to come out that is amazing and yeah again i'm really really proud of you for being able to to share your experiences because you are you are helping so many people even if you're not a hundred percent aware of how it's affecting other people and like earlier you mentioned about um when you perform live and it it hits different and it it really does i don't think anyone could sort of ever compare watching something online to seeing it live do you know what i mean like live especially as a performer it's it's different because you get a response and it's a known fact that suicide takes more men than women and it's an absolutely shocking statistic that i will make sure i put into the description box um and how would it how does it feel to you knowing that men take their lives more than any anybody else how does that make you feel as somebody who struggles with your own mental health did it give you a drive to want to share your work more yeah it, it did um i said when i read those statistics and see those statistics like it's in no way a surprise or shock like um but kind of said processing that myself and going through those things myself it's understandable why that's not a shock um, but yeah, it's definitely a driving force into why I want to speak more. Like I said, trying to break that stigma that um, men can't talk or don't talk. I think it's more around creating the space for that to happen and allowing men to have that time. Um, I think a lot of the time it's the expectancy for men to just say it and that's not the reality. Um, I don't think it ever will be um and i think you know like i think a lot of times now people are like you know throwing around our oh, real men cry and and all this thing and it's like okay but then there's one thing to say that but also you don't realize that that can have a knock-on effect to the men who don't cry not because they don't not because they stop in themselves from crying but just because they don't like i'm someone that doesn't cry I'm very like angry and that's my outburst, but I'm not crying. But why is that? Like, I feel like it seemed to be lesser or like, it's like, oh yeah, but no one ever delves into the why you're angry. It's like, oh, angry disregard. 
Um, and there's a different response. Like if you see a man crying, or you see a man angry, it's like you're more likely to go and comfort the man crying. And it's like, okay, but, but why why is that? Um, yeah, that's more surprising to see a man crying, but doesn't mean that the man that's angry or throwing things about and smashing things up isn't just as emotionally upset as the person who's showing it through tears. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's not a it's not a shock at all. Like, do you mean I think there's there's a lot of movements that are happening now that are allowing that and creating space for for men to come together and for for men to talk. Um, like you said, like you know when I perform live, that happens, and I get men coming up to me, and I get men speaking with me, and and it it, it feels it feels nice. Like that's more of a release than doing the work. Like. There's one thing like you know I, I'm I'm putting myself out there now and I'm putting my um, struggles out there and then if some people come up to me and be like I get it I relate and it's like as much as that's not a nice thing because you don't want anyone to relate to anything that you're saying but it's a nice thing that they're in a place where they can they can say it and that they can talk and they f- they find something some sort of connection with me or my work or the way in which I carry myself that allows them to speak to me and to speak to another man. Like, do you mean like that's kind of part of the problem as well is like, we don't speak to each other. We usually find um, comfort in a, in a female is, is more natural. Like it's kind of easier to kind of release that. Whereas when you kind of face to face with a man, it's a bit difficult to go, oh yeah, but this is what I'm struggling with or this is because you'd expect them to just be like, I think we we don't expect them to know any answers and we don't expect them to have any like advice. And sometimes it's like, we don't need them to have the answers. We don't need them to have the advice. We just need them to be there and be like, oh, okay, let's do something to kind of take you out of that space rather than be like, how can I talk you out of this and give you the life advice that you need? It's like, we don't really need friends for life advice all the time. Sometimes we just need someone to sit with us so that we don't feel like we're on our own. And I think that's, that's becoming more and more apparent now, like you said, with these spaces, like, you know, there's, there's men's clubs popping up everywhere. It's like 40 men in them all talking about, the, the battles that they're having and the dark times that they're in. And it's like, that sort of stuff is refreshing. And that sort of stuff is what's going to lower that statistic. Hearing you speak about men's mental health, you can tell that there's a clear drive, there's a clear passion for what you do. And I think with stereotypes surrounding toxic masculinity, we need to break that down because like, there's such a stereotype that men need to be the breadwinner that they need to be a certain way and you know not show emotion or feel feelings but when you mentioned earlier about men coming up to you you're human like we're all humans we all have feelings and again it's just how we disperse them and i was just wondering even though you've probably given a lot of advice like in your words, could you give me some advice for anybody struggling with maybe mental health and how you have, yeah, coped? It's trying to find the the thing that, you know, trial a couple of things to sort of 
I've then I've like just kept trialing, trialing, trialing. It's like, okay, one thing will eventually stick. I think don't give up on something too early. Um, you know, and you know, I'm quite fortunate to be, you know, um, kind of physically fit and can get myself up my mountain quite easily. Um, but even if you're in a place where you can't kind of try and push through something, um, I think it's my darkest times are when I'm, when I feel like I am got a purpose. So find your purpose. Um, like I'm, I'm a, a dad, you know, I had a child when I was, I was really young. Um, that obviously give me a sense of purpose and everything I do is to ensure that, you know, she can have the, you know, kind of the life that I couldn't. Um, I'm not saying go out and have kids like Jamie, you know I mean? but, um, you know, just, just try and find the purpose, try and find something that is going to drive you or go and experience things. I think, you know, is a lot of people say like, oh, money makes you happy and, you know, and the money wouldn't make you happy. Like it opens doors, but like, you know, you can archive now in a place where I'm making more money than I ever did, but I'm not any happier. It's not the finance that is kind of improving um, where I am. Um, yes, it can have a, when, you, when you're in a place where you feel like you haven't got any finance, it can obviously add another mental strain. Um, but it, I always find it's the, the little things that, that go further for me anyway. Um, like I said, like, you know, even if you only go outside for five minutes, like, do you mean, it's like, oh, nice. So like I, I sit in the car after I've driven somewhere and I'll spend, you know, a couple of minutes just sat in the car, um, capture myself and then kind of go and do what I need to do. Um, I but yeah, I think just to take a moment for yourself is probably my, the best advice that I can, I can give, take a moment for yourself and, you know, eventually you'll find yourself in a place where you can have those conversations or you can kind of express yourself to, to someone else. Um, and they'll always be, you know, if you've got the right people around you, they'll always be accepting of that, you know, and if they're not, then fuck them off. <laughs> they're not the right people. I think that's, I think that's great advice, Kyle. And I think when you mentioned about find your purpose, like that, goes a long way and I want to thank you for being on the podcast and again I'm going to put links to all of your works in the description box and men's mental health numbers and helplines what have you so please check that out if you're struggling you are not alone and um Kyle your work really emphasizes that so thank you very much thanks for having me it's been a pleasure thank you